The 2022 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2024. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote web domain from godaddy.com. Get yours now. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. On the line with us today, returning guest and friend of the program, Ken LaCourt. Uh, Ken is the host of Elephant in the Room, a fantastic podcast. I highly encourage all of you to check it out. Uh, He writes about censorship, media malfeasance, which gives him lots of materials these days. Uh, Uncomfortable questions and honest insight for people curious how the world really works, which... Who often isn't the media these days, is it, Ken? And thank you for joining us. Welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me on again, guys. So I, I want to talk about a poll that came out today by USA Today on the third-party candidate. But the Republicans are elephants, Democrats are donkeys. What would be the animal ascribed to the thir- new third-party movements? Anyone know? Are you asking me that? Yeah. What, what, oh, what, what uh, should it be? What should it be? They need an animal. I mean, we've got elephants, Republicans, donkeys, Democrats. What should I don't know, be? porcupine, keep everyone the heck away. <laughs> yeah, and porcupine used to be, uh, didn't that used to be a, a GOP thing from years and years back? Or, or it was, wig, yeah. Or, no, they, yeah. A wig thing? That, that, w- that wouldn't be too bad. You know, the, the problem is it'd have to be the disappearing cat, because as much as we always <laughs> see a, a, a poll out there like that, and I mean, look, it's it, hard to to bypass the fact that the top two nominees, the top two likely nominees right now, both have about a 33% approval rating in national national polls. I saw that in some polling yesterday, Chuck, and I was astounded at how much the country hates both Biden and Trump. Yeah, they're done. So there's a poll that came out today by USA Today. Um, It's done over the 5th and 9th of June, and it shows 2024 national general election, Biden 34%, Trump 32%, third party 23%. And then another one, Biden, 33 percent, DeSantis, 26, third party, 25. DeSantis, just people aren't familiar yet. I mean, I think his number is probably the same as Trump. I think he could do better. But so I looked it up and the same time in June in 1992 had Perot at 36 percent, George Herbert Walker Bush at 30 percent and Bill Clinton at 26 percent. We just recycle. Well, Perot was... Yeah, as much as as much as the media glommed on, I remember that campaign pretty vividly. The media really glommed on Perot. He had a lot to say that was outside of the mainstream of both parties. I think you get a little of that with Vivek Ramaswamy, but for the most oh, part, you don't. Yeah. No. So, so Ken, the question is, what do you think? Of thir- what is that? What is the ceiling for a third party candidate in the twenty twenty four general election? Do you think? I, I I think that the the real ceiling is zero. Because the ceiling in running for president isn't isn't whether you can get five or ten percent of the votes, and and Perot probably got a little bit under. He ran that twice. He probably got a little bit under twenty percent in '92, and neither time did he get one single vote in the electoral college. Right. So, at, at it, it, a third party is fun to talk about. The system is not designed for that, or certainly not designed to have one win as we have it shaped right now. And look. The only thing Republicans and Democrats agree on is that either a Republican or a Democrat should be running the country. I mean, they, they, they have complete unanimity on that, and they, they design all the rules to help bolster that. So I think any third-party candidate, you'd have to look at 
who is he or she going to take votes away from as right. opposed to, right. oh, could this person get elected? It really just doesn't go beyond that. Well, I see. I think Cornell West attempting to get the Green Party nomination could play some havoc in cities like Milwaukee and Atlanta. Would you yeah. would you agree on that? Yeah, look, if you can get, I mean, look, the trick to putting a third part, having a third party person run where it helps you out is get somebody who you think would siphon votes from your opponent anywhere. So I've seen, for instance, in a, in a statewide race in, in Hawaii where a green candidate won, siphoned off a decent amount of votes from the Democrats, and, and it, it gave an, a, a Republican you know, a chance to win a, a race in a very, very blue state. So, yeah, certainly, I, I think in any close stakes, if you said, wow, here is a, look, a popular libertarian will pull votes from the Republican. A popular green will pull votes from the Democrat. Agree. All right, let's talk about CNN. CNN seems to be, <laughs> and I know everybody likes to focus on Fox, but CNN has its own share of problems right now. Tell us a little bit, our audience, a little bit about that, Ken, and what's going on there, and what do you foresee for CNN's future? Well, you know, CNN started this whole game. I mean, right? I mean, I worked at Fox for 20 years. I might not have had that job if it wasn't for Ted Turner and him saying, hey, I got a crazy idea. Let's go 24-7 with news. I mean, and they had a monopoly for a very long time. And, of course, you do well when you have a monopoly. We came in, MSNBC came in, and CNN kind of tried to, you know, they were always leaning left, but they weren't like hardcore left like they've become in the last five, five, seven, ten years. Uh, really five, seven years. Um, so as that, as kind of Americans got a little bit more polarized, as the media started getting more polarized, they found themselves in a bad position. MSNBC was, was pulling in the hardcore Dems. Fox News was pulling in conservatives. And they kept diminishing. In, in the Trump years, CNN did great. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, people rage watch Donald Trump. And, and, and that helps ratings. It helps money. It helps all sorts of things. I mean, you know. The, the never Trumpers, uh, you know, the professional never Trumpers out there, they're praying that he runs again. So they did okay during that, but then when he, you know, then when he was off the stage, their numbers just went in the toilet. And I mean, you know, people are, are saying, my gosh, Fox News numbers are down after the whole Tucker thing, and they're right. But I looked at the numbers yesterday. The lowest rated original show, not repeat, but the lowest rated show on Fox News is Trace Gallagher's show because it's on at midnight, um, midnight Eastern. Trace Gallagher's lowest-rated show beat every single hour of CNN during the day. Every one of their primetime shows just, you know, it, it powered over all of those. So CNN has a ratings problem, but they're still making money. I mean, that's another dirty secret is is they're probably they're probably profiting a billion bucks a year even with those crappy ratings. <laughs> so, you know, they, but they look they've become they've become like what people always accuse Fox of. They've become, you know, they're they're not fair and balanced journalists they no, are hard it's an ideological echo it's chamber. an ideological driven thing so the news the new guy went in and said that he had the support of david zaslaw who is the is the, the chairman of or ceo of discovery which owns that but he's also a corporate guy who's not gonna you know these guys look out for themselves before they look out for anything else so Chris Lick went and was told to, you know, make it more moderate. Let's go back to getting kind of both sides in. Let's not be a hardcore. Let's, even if it costs us a little bit of ratings and, and, and money in the meantime, let's do this. Well, he did that and tried that. Really, he did more talking about it than actually accomplishing something. Yeah, thank and you. all the lefties 
and all the lefties at CNN, which is 90% of the staff, freaked the hell out. And how could he do this? And how could he do that? And it was a drama, you know, and then he stupidly lets a, you know, a mainstream reporter walk around and follow him for two weeks with a tape recorder recording every single stupid thing he says. And that was kind of the final. final don't you don't you find don't you find that I, I find that interesting. He did that. And you find this with candidates a lot. They always just think they're smarter than the person following him with the tape recorder. You know, it never works. Never. It, it just, never. And, and look, you know, part of it is these people are because I, 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 I just did a longer one on that. It wasn't about me, although then it turned out to be uh, me by some <laughs> scumbag reporter. And they're, they're nice people. They're engaging. They're smart. You have, like, good intellectual conversations with them, and you think that it's going along okay, and then they get their, you know, their 50 hours of tape and say, okay, where did this guy say something that I can twist into making it look like he's a whatever ist or ibic theorist these days? He's a racist. He's a homophobic. He's a I, this. He's a that. Looking and at that's it, just, that's their game. Looking at it from the outside, I, I really felt like Licht and Donald Trump essentially made the same mistake, which is they didn't realize how deeply they had to clean house on day one. To have it any chance at all, I think he, he had a lot of arrogant mistakes. He, he clearly well, overestimated it's, himself, it, but it's, start right there. Well, look, it's the same problem. You know, Republicans now, their big thing is we're going to move FBI out of D.C. We're going to clean up the Department of Justice. The problem is you can't clean up any of these unless you have a wholesale cleaning out of the House. Because when you still leave people behind, they have their loyalties. Am I wrong on that, Ken? No, you're absolutely right. And, and what you... It's more difficult to do in the federal government because you can't just fire everybody at the DOE. You have you can only you can only affect the handful of top right. politically appointed jobs, and everybody else is protected. Look, when the when the Murdochs took over Fox, and they did this to the Wall Street Journal, and they've done this, they went about very quickly in changing the corporate culture, and that's why Fox is kind of wussy these days. So, what does that mean? Well, part of it is they, with Wall Street Journal, they physically moved the company. You used to have offices here. Now you have offices down the street. And, and that just it signals to everybody this is a different place. This is a different, uh, you know, it's, it's all different. Well, at Fox, they did the same thing. They didn't move them physically, but like Roger Ailes' office doesn't exist anymore. The entire second floor where all the executives were at Fox is now a newsroom. So they just gutted it, made all of the trappings of the past gone, and they, they, re, and they redid it. Second thing is, is, is you go in and, and you take over, and this is why so many companies are, are so woke around the, uh, the, the world, or the country at least, is you take over the HR department and you get them doing different things, and you get them treating, treating people differently and instilling whatever values you try to bring in there. So Fox News now, and this just came out, is, is you know, they've got, they get Pride Month and, and, and you, you know, uh, trans, you know, uh, trans uh, crossword puzzles for the employees. I mean, there's all sorts of just kind of like, you really going on that spot? So they needed to, to change that corporate culture. Instead, he went out and talked about doing it and then just it just just it just bounced off. The, look, this is a, this is a guy who'd never really run anything larger than a show. So right. even if he kind of had good editorial chops, he probably didn't have deep management chops. Well, and it's and again, it's one of these things. And this this story is old as time. You know, he comes in. You have the owner of it, Time Warner, say, "You have our support. You do yep. what you need to do. You have our support." So he goes in, like you said, he doesn't have experience. He's fumbling through it, but he's making changes. The powers that be that stayed are hairs up on the back of their neck. And guess what? 
Time Warner said, ah, no, it's just too much disruption. We can't do it. And that's why things don't change. He he also had, to me, a fatal flaw in that he he wanted, as most people do, he wanted to be liked. Yeah. And and coming into that job, you can't consider that. No, no. Did Roger Roger Ailes care if he was liked or not? He used to joke that, that, you know, Republicans never get invited to parties in New York City, and he just didn't care. It's, it, but that's, um, but that's know, really, but that's really be, important. He wanted to be liked by he wanted to be liked by Rupert Murdoch, and and he was always very clear. He's like Rupert doesn't keep me around because he really likes me. He likes me because I hit my numbers every quarter. Which and, and which he, is which is business. Kind of like which is business, yeah, that's, right? That's, that's, <laughs> what, yeah, what they should look if they really wanted to make those changes, they should have told Chris to go in, do some wholesale firings. You know, he did a couple little shiftings. It's like. We take Don Lemon and we put him in the morning show, and we did, it's like, well, you got rid of the fat kid, uh, Brian Stelter. It's like the, um, it's like the guy in the subway red cups. I mean, he was like the easiest. Stelter was like the easiest guy in the world to fire. Folks, we're going to be coming back with more in just a moment. Uh, Breaking Battlegrounds. Be sure to go to BreakingBattlegrounds.vote. Download all of our past episodes. You can check those out there. We're on Substack, Spotify, all the various places, Apple Podcasts. Everywhere you get your podcasts, Breaking Battlegrounds is there, and we're back in a moment. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. Hey, folks, are you looking for a great way to earn a fantastic return on your money and actually do good by doing well for yourself? You need to check out investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. They are taking distressed student loans. They're refinancing them. You can actually invest in what they're doing. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed annual rate of return, and you're helping a student get out of debt, get their credit back online. This is the the most basic form of capitalism, one person with a need, another person with an opportunity coming together to help each other. So check out investyrefi.com or give them a call at 888-YREFI24 and tell them Chuck and Sam sent you. Uh, Ken, I want to ask a question here. If you were running any Republican opponent in the primary against Donald Trump, what is the message you would be selling to people? Or is there a message that would even work, do you think? That's a tough one. Um, um, I actually think that DeSantis is, I'm I'm not sure if his delivery is as as good as it needs to be for him to really rise and be a captivating and charismatic candidate. But I think the concept, but but I think his overall platform is good, which is, I did stop. I didn't just sit out and give a speech on here I, I, and, and, and complain about something. I actually made the government work for us. And, and, and whether that was in changing some of the education things, both in you know, keeping, keeping uh, you know, gay, gay salutes to the flags out of third grade classes, whether that uh, he made some changes on the, on, the, uh, uh, on, on the one, what was it, the one institution that they had. There was a college that they had where he changed some things around. Right. He's yeah, University of, of South Florida, Thank I you. think it Thank was, you. yeah. So I, I think that that's actually a good thing because, you know, a, a decent comeback to Trump is, you know, you said a lot of great things, but the wall ain't there, and Omarosa didn't change whatever agency she was trying to do, and you fired half of your staff and hate them all, and, you, you, you know, you have good ideas and you're solid for that, but let's start winning. And you haven't done that except for one election. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that concept, I, I think, that, you know, Republic, you, you could go to Republicans and say, if you really want to upset Washington, 
elect somebody who can not only win the next campaign but actually institute what they believe. Exactly. That's, that's not a terrible. That's not a terrible. Thing. No. Yeah. The proofs in the pudding type thing. All right. Let's talk quickly here. The the one thing that really put DeSantis on the map is how he handed COVID. Now. You know, Jack Kemp, Governor Kemp did the same thing, but not quite with the fanfare. Ron was a little more in, well, in, in your face in about fairness, it. In fairness, Ron was further out front of him. He it kind of something. broke the trail, but him and Christy Nome. Yeah, I mean, Kemp, Kemp will argue with that. But my point is on the so COVID really was what put him on the map in a lot of ways. And there's a new book out by the Institute for Economic Affairs in London called titled did lockdowns work the verdict on covid restrictions and it is a slap against the government bureaucracy against government health organizations a quote from the book says when it comes to covid models have many things in common dubious assumptions hair-raising predictions of disaster that missed the mark and few lessons learned the science of lockdowns is clear the data the data is in the life saved were a drop in the bucket compared to the staggering collateral cost imposed and they say for example neil ferguson's infamous imperial college of london model predicted lockdowns would avoid 1.7 to 2.1 million covid deaths the study actually finds that it reduced covid deaths from 4300 to 15000 do you think, being in the news business, how do you think they should have handled it? Now, I get the first two weeks, all hell's breaking loose, right? They don't know, right? But what do you think they should have done after a month or two months in the news business and handling COVID? Because they just didn't know. It was like a moving target all the time, and they weren't honest about it. On the, on the news side or on the government side? Both. Let's do news first, what you're really familiar with. Well, I mean, you know, news likes to scare you. Yes. And they don't sit around in their meetings and say that, say, oh, how do we how do we frighten people from going from sending their kids to school because there was a school shooter here? They, they, they don't talk or even think in those ways, but it just kind of has the same effect. They sit around and say, what's a uh, what you know, what's a oh, that's a very, very interesting story. Oh, that scares me. So part of it is that baked into their model is scaring the heck out of you. Um, look, but what was so on 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 this was. It just got caught up in Trump, yes, Trump, no. I mean, if you tell me who you voted for, I could tell you what yes. you think about hydrochloroquine or any, any of these pills. And the media was just as bad. So I think that they brought their banner. Trump doesn't wear a mask. He's a murderer. Masks need, you know, everybody has to have a mask, stay home. And, and, and I think that, that, that politics kind of overrid all of that. And, you know, if somebody would have had the... The, the time to, to, and, and, and the attitude to kind of be in the center on that. But I tell you, it is hard to win um, in the cable news game or the, or the news game in general being a, a centrist, fair and balanced type person. That's not the stuff that people share. It's not that's what they want to watch. They don't want to watch the news shows. They want to watch Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow kicking the other side of the teeth. And we, it's easy to blame the media. But the media is reflecting what we click on and what we. Turn well, on. well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a perfect. I have a perfect example. So I was in um, D.C. this week and met with a friend who, um, who he's playing the NHL. He's been the national marketing person for Adidas. I mean, he's a man about town, right? We were there for these ICANN conferences, and he was just talking about how disappointed he was on. <laughs> the news not being more balanced in things of that nature. And then everything he fed me was from a moveon.org email. I mean, right. everything was so extreme. But in his mind, 
I, I'm being fair and balanced. There's just these crazy people. And like he wouldn't right. even acknowledge that while we have our nut jobs on the right side, the left has more than their fair share as well. I mean, actually, actually there's studies that show <laughs> left-wing activists are basically nuts and narcissists, right? I mean, there's actually studies on it. But he just didn't want to realize that fact. And you're right. So they, they sell what they think is reasonable, but it's really just feeding what they already believe or want to believe. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we clip, that's what we share, that's what we talk about with our spouses when we get home. And um, it, it's, a, it's a model that is, is, is not helping us overall, but it's kind of hard to point to the bad people in it. Guys, I, you know, I, I actually think it was a little more nefarious than that with COVID because you clearly have this really deep connection between t- the two leading news agencies from which all other news agencies get their information that Washington – Post and the New York Times um, with federal, you know, high level officials at a handful of federal agencies. And I really felt like they were playing this game where they were trying uh, on the federal end to manipulate Donald Trump and then attack him for everything they were manipulating him into doing. I mean, call me a conspiracy theorist for that, but I really think the entire COVID narrative came up, is what it is and was what it was because they were trying to get rid of Donald Trump. Yeah, it, it's hard to kind of read people's hearts at a certain point. Um, I can say that when I sit in political meetings on the left or the right, I see more people just wrongly. How do I say? I, I, I see less nefariousness and more like people convincing themselves that they are saving lives, and, for instance, in this debate. So I suspect when you go in there, it's like, you know, when, when Trump doesn't wear a mask, he's killing people. Yeah, he's a we murderer. Gotta stop this. We got to do this. So. But it's, you know, it's usually easier and, and, and it's to say, well, they're probably all, you know, Soros types. And I don't want to I don't want to act like that doesn't exist there. I usually find that I usually find that people they 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 fool themselves into into thinking that they're going after the greater good, even if even if they're wrong. And we'll be coming back with more Breaking Battlegrounds in just a moment here and more from Ken LaCourt. Folks, be sure to check out his podcast, Elephant in the Room. Breaking Battlegrounds back with more in just a moment. At Overstock, we know home is a pretty important place, and that's why we believe everyone deserves a home that makes them happy. Whether you're furnishing a new house or apartment, or simply looking to update and refresh a few rooms, Overstock has everyday free shipping and amazing deals on the beautiful, high-quality furniture and decor you need to transform any home into the home of your dreams. Overstock, making dream homes come true. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. On the line with us right now, media expert, Ken LaCourt. Check him out at Elephant in the Room, his fantastic podcast. Ken, UFOs, are they real? You know, I don't know. (laughs) But up until two weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, look, there may be other life and and there probably is other life and other planets, but but not here. And, And and. you know, every person who's talking about UFOs, they, you know, they, they don't really look like the most intelligent person. And when they're done talking about UFOs, then they tell me about, the, you know, that Jews brought down the, the Twin Towers. <laughs> and you know, I started hearing all sorts of crazy conspiracies. Right. But some weird stuff is going on. And, and the biggest thing is with some news that has been just 
really ignored in almost all of the mainstream press. And it's that a fairly high-level national security uh, uh, defense intelligence guy who worked on some of this stuff came out with some just crazy concept saying, A, that the United States has multiple alien craft in its possession and is reverse engineering um, um, and, and, you know, has this stuff out there. So that was the essence of his claim. And you normally just say, ah, forget it. But this was a guy who had the, the you know, a GS-15 clearance who has, has serious, serious people saying, ah, you should listen to this guy because he's, he's real, like a general and the former head scientist at, at, uh, at one, of our, one of our top agencies. He filed a whistleblower complaint, a complaint that he actually helped write the law for, for UFO whistleblowers, which they now call UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And you can't dismiss him as a nut. Now, maybe he just took a whole, a whole lifetime of being a serious guy and having high-level government security clearances and, and whatnot and just decided to lie and sell some books going on, although he may go to jail if that's the case because, you know, he's given some specific testimony to Congress and he's going back and they're, they're happy, they've announced that they'll have some House oversight hearings on this. And he alleges that basically parts of the government and private industry really, really like that it's kept that some of these, these large defense contractors have been misleading the government, have been lying about how they're spending money, and that's the basis of his, of his, of his whistle, whistleblower lawsuit. Well, Ken, one one thing that made me believe him more when this came out is the admission, you know, if you go back in 2020, the Air Force admitted that they've had numerous encounters with what they identified as UAPs, un, you know, unidentified aerial phenomenon, aircraft or some type of craft moving in ways that atmospheric flight craft cannot move, Right. And they actually put out some of those videos. And then here you have this guy coming along with testimony from a slightly different agency and mm-hmm. angle. But it it's certainly not contradictory information. So, yeah, I'm, I'm putting on the tinfoil on this one. And, and I, I, Yeah, I, it's kind of weird. It, it, it's just, you know, to have your mind kind of ripped into two, two directions, neither of which, you know, should be true or should be believable without, you know, with our current understanding of life. But yeah, look, the NASA NASA held a hearing two weeks ago where they showed some of that some of those footage of metal spheres that are flying through the air and doing weird things. And they're like, we have these on visual, we have these on on radar, we have these on multiple sensor type of systems. So we don't think it's a you know we think that these things are actually real, and we really can't explain it. And then it it puts so many past guys that you said ah he was a nut he's a nut she's a nut into into a little bit better perspective it makes you scratch your head there's some there's some ponytail guy in a trailer in Nevada and northern california saying i told everybody i was right and i told everybody <laughs> i was right if resurrection is real we need someone to pull art bell out of the ground right now by the way i i want to bring up something funny that just cracks me up so the snp global to the london stock exchange tobacco companies is are crushing Tesla and the ESG ratings. <laughs> I mean, is this ESG the biggest joke around or what? It's a, it's a scam. It's a, it's a uh, scam I mean, and it's, it's, it's from A to Z. I mean, I mean, the left hates Elon Musk and he's made what they want a reality. Efficient electric vehicles. And he has a lower rating than tobacco companies. I mean, are we yeah, that crazy? Well, well, I mean, those Hitler, poor guys in the trailers. Hitler was a vegan. <laughs> I mean, they, they, you know, they've got a problem because they 
and I live right outside of San Francisco. You know, they loved this guy up until about six months ago when he started doing things they didn't like. It, it's been funny to watch him go from, from oh my gosh, Elon is is the ideal man to he's a MAGA nut job. It's been hilarious. Ken, we have just one minute left. Tell folks how they can stay in touch and follow and support all your great work. Uh, so, uh, best thing is is uh, YouTube elephants in rooms. I put together. Look, I, I'm a huge believer that there are just so many conversations, like some of what we've had right here, that you're just not supposed to have, and 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 we should. And whether it's you know a lot of that is race based, a lot of that is just is is things that you're not supposed to say out loud, but it actually hurts people in the long run if you don't. So Elephants of Rooms, LaCourt, and uh, you can find me. Ken, let's get you out to Arizona and have you in the studio. I'd love to. My daughter lives up uh, up in Prescott, so I'd love to be there. Get on out here. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right, guys. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host Chuck Warren and Sam Stone. I want to thank Ken LaCourt for the fantastic interview today. Really appreciate having him on there, folks. Make sure you catch up with his podcast, Elephant in the Room, also. But be sure to download ours as well. Go on Substack, Spotify. Go to our website, breakingbattlegrounds.vote. You can find all our past episodes there. Uh, fantastic opportunity for you to stay informed about things that are happening in the world and the unique insights from some of our fantastic guests. While you're doing that, maybe think a little bit about your financial future and considering investing with Y-Refi. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, 10.25%. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's the letter. Uh, it's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-Refi24 and tell them Chuck and Sam sent you. Well, what uh, what a pleasure to have Ken on. Uh, it's a little bit longer format today. He's always I, well, interesting I, and keeps up on the news, and I enjoy his newsletter. It's succinct. He, I think he and um, Eric Erickson do a fantastic job summarizing just some of the highlights of the day, and you know, provide a link to the article. And it's great reading. I, I think he's one. Of, he's one of those sources that if you're looking for honest news in the world. It's a great place. Elephant in the Room is a great place to go start with. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, the stuff that's not going to get covered on CNN or, or at least not be covered fairly. Um, and and I, honestly, Chuck, I love the longer format with guests. I, I like having kind of the a little bit more time for these interviews so we can flesh out the discussion a well, little bit more. Well, it was funny. I, when I was in D.C. this week, I got in yesterday. Um, I was meeting with some um, um, communications press secretaries for congressmen. And they were excited that we do longer than five minute interviews. Like you do 20, 30 minutes, and they call that long format. And I didn't I don't view it as long format, but they do. I, I, I gotta tell you, I actually always feel rushed because there's so much good information that yeah. we're getting from our guests. Yeah, I agree. Um I, I mean, mean especially what, Congressman Dunn that you had on. I mean, you could have been a whole hour with him. I, I would love to have done the whole hour with him. And that folks, by the way. Uh, if you're listening to this on one of the Salem radio networks, call into your local station and tell them, you know, if you're getting in this on podcast, call your local station. Tell them you want to have Breaking Battlegrounds on the air and uh, tell them you want us to be on for two hours. I mean, if they're going to put us on there for two hours, we'll be here for two hours talking to you and we'll be talking to some fantastic guests doing it. So um, a couple of topics I want to discuss that we did not discuss with Ken. Um, let's first talk about something regarding Arizona. There is a new measure to put an initiative on the ballot 
regarding public transportation, folks, what we have currently, and I think it's been around, what, decade or two? So actually 40 years now. 40 years. We have a half a cent sales tax half a cent that sales goes tax. to transportation, um, which in a lot of ways, if you believe in federalism and state rights, you know, states should cover their their highways and their transportation, yeah. right? Um, and, and Sam, maybe I'm wrong. I know you follow this much more closely than I do. What we have is they have language they want to put on the ballot, and Katie Hobbs wants more for trans light rail, basically. Yeah, so so this is really interesting, and I know, folks, if you're listening out there in another state, you might think, hey, this doesn't really apply to me. They're just talking about Arizona. But no, this is a discussion that's happening in every state and every city, every county right now is – what does the future of transportation look like? And so the we've had this sales tax on the books. It's actually been uh, – it was originally put on the books in 1985, and the reasoning was for the expansion of the I-10 and I-17 corridors and for some of our rural state highways. And uh, it did a very nice job of that. 20 years later, the tax was extended by voters. Now it's up again. Now each time it's been put up, it's been promised to sunset at the end of its you know 20-year run. Right. And obviously that's not happening, um, but but there's a really interesting battle going on here right now between the governor and MAG, which is the Maricopa Association of Governments, which is a very left-leaning sort of overarch entity that, quite frankly, I don't think should have ever been created. But the battle is entirely over not extending the tax. Everyone has agreed to do that. The battle is over how that money gets spent. Republicans want to spend, uh, they, they, you know, they're fine with adding buses and bus rapid transit, but they don't want to expand light rail and they don't want to do something else that's in the MAG version very specifically. And folks, when folk, when people on the left are prescribing transit these days, it's not just light rail. It's not just trains. People tend to like trains um, for, for some really bad reasons, quite frankly, but they do. And if you haven't seen the Modern Family episode on trains, please look it up. Yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly right. I, I will try to attach that on the end of this thing here <laughs> if you go to our website. But um, but what they don't like is road diets. And and yeah, explain to people what a road diet is. So a road diet is a prescription that any major arteries, if they are th- uh, two or more travel lanes in each direction. They're going to take a lane away from the tra- from vehicle travel in each direction and replace it with, uh, it, again, it sounds really good, a multimodal, multi-use path, right? W- w- what that means is a bike path that's going to be empty 99% of the time and a, a bigger detached sidewalk that, especially here in Arizona, is also going to be empty most of the time and taking away a lane of travel. So every two-lane road becomes one lane in each direction. Every three-lane road becomes two lanes. You're talking about a massive increase, a massive increase in traffic and time. And the people doing this, one of their things, I always love this, we're going to cut down the emissions because we're going to drive people out of cars. Well, they've done this in a lot of cities, Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Los Angeles. They've tied traffic in knots. They certainly haven't reduced emissions and they haven't gotten people out of their cars. They've just make managing to make them wait idling longer. Which causes air which ca- pollution. Which causes pollution, yeah. I mean, Or supposedly climate warming. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not what they say, right? Right. Yeah. No, this is exactly right. So it's counterproductive. The fact is that if people, I mean, we did a we we uh, we worked together on an initiative to try to to roll back Phoenix's light rail expansion a few years back, Chuck. And you you actually commissioned some polling in that. 
Yes. One of the questions was, why do you support, if you support light rail, why do you support it? Do you remember what the number one answer was on is that survey? Get other people off the road. Other people. Not you. Other people. Right. Nobody answering that in, that question envisioned themselves leaving their car at home and hopping oh. on the light rail. They just hoped it would make traffic less inconvenient for them. Exactly. Everyone had that same hope. Boy, that's some kind of fallacy right there. <laughs> I mean, come on. But you're going to see this more and more. And I think, folks, what you have to be aware of based upon the fiscal calamity in D.C., more of this burden is going to be put upon the states. It is. And, and, and conservatives are going to be confronted with the fact that you're going to have to find the money within the budget for transportation and roads and things of nature, which we all need. It's part of economic well, and, development. And, and it's part I'm, of safety. I'm not against uh, uh, bus or, and bus rapid transit expansion. Light rail is a bad solution. No, I, 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 I agree I mean, in that. What I'm saying is conservatives are going to have to come up with, because of the fiscal problems of District of Columbia and Congress, I think more of this is going to be put on because as more and more – see, the one issue that Democrats in the press during the national debt debate were unwilling to confront is so much of our national spending is mandatory. Right. So that means obviously you have less discretionary, which is transportation. More of this is going to be thrown on the states. There's there's no way around it. And, folks, you're going to have to judge who your legislators are, who your city council people are yourself. But they're all going to be confronted. How do they find this extra revenue? So you're either going to have to tell them to find it from this area of government currently they're spending and cut it and apply it to this. Or they're going to have the dilemma we have. We've had 40 years now here, a half a cent sales tax. It's been efficient in a lot of ways. It's put, you know, it's, it's put a lot of miles of road on the ground. It's also put a lot of miles of largely unused light rail on the ground. Right. And so you're going to have to make decisions on that. And Sam yeah. and I have always felt regarding light rail. To me, light rail never works unless the federal government comes in and says, here's hundreds of billions of dollars and we're going to connect everything at once. Because what they do is they do this piecemeal thing that makes it completely ineffective. Well, also, I mean, one of the one of the if you actually dig into the numbers, light rail is never going to be any kind of rail system does not work unless you have massive density. You have to have population density that does not exist. It just does not work out west. Outside of the the East Coast. New York right? or Chicago yeah. or something. To a smaller extent, San Francisco, Los Angeles. You could probably do Miami, but right. it's, it's very limited. So anyway, uh, pay attention to that. That's a real debate here. Katie Hobbs, you know, um, what you would expect from a liberal governor, loves yeah. – you know the light rail and republicans are like well you know why they you know why they love light rail you want to know who one of the biggest donors to democrats is Ooh. horizontal construction mm. the the people that build uh roads because they're heavily unionized right right um the union employees make sure that they kick huge amounts of money to democrats uh, including at the corporate level, but then obviously these are the people who build the light rail. If you're talking about spending $30 billion on light rail, the companies here are looking at that as a minimum. I can tell you for sure, minimum of $6 billion of profit out of that $30 billion, 20%. So if they end up giving a billion dollars to Democrats to make $5 billion, they do that, and that's exactly what's funding They would this. probably give two to get four. It's a pretty good deal at the end of the day. All right, let's talk about <laughs> um, uh, News 4 in Dallas is reporting <laughs> a story, and the headline is, Realtor Helps LGBTQ Plus 
Texans leave the state through Rainbow Underground Railroad. Part, there, there's two fallacies here, and you know they've interviewed some people. Um, one, <laughs> you don't need an underground railroad in America. You just pick up and leave. No one's telling you not call, to leave. Call U-Haul. No, no one's yeah. yeah call U-Haul if you can find one. Um, no one's. No one's forcing well, hey, hey, you. No one's forcing you to stay in any state. The only, actually, the only people forcing you to stay in the state is California, who wants to apply taxes on you if you leave. So, right. really, if you need an underground railroad, it's for Gavin Newsom and California's tax. Well, see, that's the other side of this, system. Chuck. You can get a very cheap U-Haul in Texas. Yeah, yeah. You can get a very cheap U-Haul in Texas as long as you're willing to drive it back to a blue state because nobody's doing that. So, in this article, it, it quotes the lifelong Texan whose name is Paul Lewis, committed in January to begin looking for somewhere else to move. He explained how two factors solidified that decision, pointing to the growing number of LBGTQ restrictions introduced in the legislative session and the deadly mass shootings happening in the state. Now, the latter, um, look, we talked about this. People are uncomfortable. Right, and if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, something I'll be that's that's what it is. But but let's, you and I have slightly different takes on that, but we both agree that this is a big problem. Well, it's a big problem in terms, of, a, the, yeah, in terms a, of the I, the perception. It's a big problem. For, it's a big else. problem for fear. It's yeah. a big problem for fear. Right. Yeah. So okay, uh, let's go and say that's an issue. Right. Um, the LGBTQ stuff. So are you folks, kidding? let's talk about what th- these restrictions are. What we're simply saying is you can't mutilate mutilate. A child, and, you, but, and, and, and so now right. this is anti-LGBTQ plus legislation saying you can't do irreparable harm that can't really be reversed. Which, which, by the way, is something that every almost now every European country is running to implement these restrictions and not allow and this it, type of and these as Jamie type of pointed out, socialized medicine countries <laughs> are saying you can't do this to children anymore. Right. No, and, and countries that are, you know, brought up by the left as avatars of, but, of left ideology are running from this as fast as they can. They see the harms. This is not going to stop in America. American hospitals are making a fortune and off you, this. And as you said before the show, what's going to happen is you're going to see several huge civil lawsuits that may bankrupt these hospitals who have made a fortune off COVID. But again, the thing that really stuck out to me, so this is what the... This is what the left does. They, they, they try to frame this, and Republicans are very bad at this. A r- underground railroad assumes that in secrecy, <laughs> you need a guide to get you out of the hands of slave owners. I mean, no one's, I mean, I am sure no one in that neighborhood saying, oh, Paul, you know, don't let the door hit you on the butt. He sounds like a jerk. And so, you know, it's just one of those things, and it's, again— it's again where the Republicans and conservatives are simply failing to communicate their message. And they need to stop calling it anti-LBGTQ. We need to start saying this is pro-kid legislation. Well, it's, it, we're against child mutilation as a pretty straightforward position. I mean, honestly. Just let, just, ki- let, let kids be kids and they'll figure it out. If they want yeah. to change after 18, let them do it. Yeah, I don't care what anyone does as an adult. If you're making a decision in your right mind about yourself and, and that decision is to chop off your genitals, I think you're an idiot. Folks, but, you can but find... you're an idiot with the right to be an folks, idiot. Folks, look us up at breakingbattlegrounds.vote or anywhere you, where you find your podcasts. Make sure you review. Make sure you share. Um, we've enjoyed our time with you, and we hope for all the fathers out there, you have a fantastic Father's Day. Enjoy your family. Barbecue something good. Yeah, take care.
The 2022 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2024. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote web domain from GoDaddy.com. Get yours now.